Welcome to this edition of the Black Shoe Diaries Madcast. I'm Garrett Carr. He's Clay Sourteague. Clay, how are you? As good as ever, Garrett. Glad to be uh, back with everyone. Um, getting into the heart of the season and looking forward to uh, podcasting tonight. Oh yeah, are you at at one forty five a.m. here on this hey. uh, Thursday morning? No, no time like the present. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we're uh, millennials. We have weird schedules, but you know we got to bring this podcast to you. Just like, uh, despite there not being much of a challenge, the Penn State wrestlers still had to show up against Binghamton on Sunday. Yeah, boy, did they ever show up. Uh, can't do much better than that, can you? Well, I, I had the over, so actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we set the over-under, I believe I had set the over-under. 46 over under or 47? 45 and a half was what I think my, my final over-under was. So uh, if anybody in Vegas is uh, hiring... There you have it right there. That's that's pretty much on the money. Penn State ended up with a uh, 46 to nothing victory after the over-under was set at uh, 45 and a half. And like you said there, it, it could have been 50. I mean, it really, it really could have been whatever number they needed it to be. Well, that was my prediction was 50, and uh, we didn't get there. I was a little disappointed. But, uh, <laughs> of course, uh, you know, I sound pretty spoiled complaining about 45 nothing wins, but... Yeah, um, good to get back in Rec Hall uh, after a week in the, in the BJC. Not that there's anything wrong with the Bryce Jordan Center, but Rec Hall is home, and Penn State put on a show for the um, 6,319 people in attendance there on yeah. uh, Sunday. The Bryce Jordan Center is like a hotel room with a view. It's like really cool for a little bit, but like by the time like you want to get back to your own bed, you know? Rec Hall is home. Like, I've, uh, I, I said to everybody right. throughout my years there, I think it was probably my favorite sporting venue on campus, and a lot of it has to do with this team. Uh, it's hard to beat Pagula. Another beautiful one. Just a, a good example of Penn State having just a massive amount of resources right now. And uh, the Penn State wrestling team wasn't short of resources on Sunday. Well, it starts with our favorite freshman, Nick Suriano, uh, he he gets off to a good start. Clay, he's a great tone center in another match, and he doesn't give up any takedowns. He's uh, he's through to Reno with with no takedowns surrendered. Yeah, Suriano is not a, a volume shooter, and I think that's a bit of a surprise for <laughs> a basketball term for for some people that um, kind of knew about him in terms of his accolades, but didn't really know what he was about. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he's just – he has the market cornered in efficiency. There's no wasted movement, um, either offensively or defensively or on top or on bottom. Um, he's just an incredibly efficient wrestler with his energy. He um, moves guys around. Um, he really just bullied uh, Binghamton's Steve Bolzomi on the way to a 12-2 major decision on Sunday. Yeah, would have liked to see him get the fall, though, at the end. Yeah, um, something obviously he's probably going to work on. Would like to see him hip over there and put a little more hip pressure. I think he probably could have gotten the fall. Um, to begin the match, when he, got, when he got those first set of back points, I thought the referee was a little late to count. I thought um, a little late. he a had both of them. He could have counted for about 10, 15 seconds there before before he started to count. I thought the rule, I believe, is, for, is 45 degrees. Yeah. Um, for the shoulders to the mat, and 
Bolzomi was at least that for a while before the ref started counting. I would like to see that count start earlier so that maybe Soriano could have released um, released the hold and, and gone back to it to get, get a few more back points. But as it was, um, just another comfortable win for Soriano as he remains undefeated and continues to climb up the uh, the rankings at 125. Yeah, he's uh, always a joy to watch. And he's actually turning into kind of a fun interview, too. I saw the interview with uh, GoPSU Sports this week um, from him. And he's, uh, you know, he's got a little swagger to him, Soriano. He's got a bit of swagger. He's very, um, I think the term is probably wise beyond his years. And I think that comes with the territory of being a four-time champ in New Jersey and undefeated. He's used to dealing with the press, which you don't necessarily see from freshmen coming into college. But from day one, even if you look at his preseason interviews, he was very comfortable in front of the camera and with a microphone in his face. Counterpoint to your he's mature because he's a four-time state champion, Chase Marsteller. Jake? What? Did you say Jake Marsteller? Yeah, Chance, yeah. Yeah, there we go. No, I said Chance. Um, ah, get that cut. Um... Yeah, you could definitely uh, – Chance maybe uh, didn't didn't have that for him, but uh, I, I definitely see it from Suriano. He, he looks very comfortable with a microphone in his face and dealing with media and even interacting with fans. I mean, sometimes it can be a bit awkward for these young kids all of a sudden to have people falling over, over them, and Nick just seems very comfortable in that environment. Maybe he was big man on campus back at Bergen Catholic. Yeah, you think? Maybe. 159 <laughs> no might do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it certainly might. Um, let's go to a guy who Penn State fans are less familiar with than even a, a true freshman like Nick Seriano. And that's George Carpenter, but uh, wow, did George put on a show? Did he ever? Um, I came into this one not knowing that uh, Cortez wasn't a go. I believe he was ruled out probably, I think it was only like an hour before the match. Um, and the first thought... and. That went through my mind was there goes my over under because I think I had Jared Cortez pencils in for a fall. Um, George Carpenter made me look silly, which isn't necessarily hard to do. I uh, do that to myself very often, but George Carpenter put a whipping on Ian Lopel of Binghamton. Well, yeah, you know Carpenter gives up the first takedown. You're like, oh come on, George, and then scores 17 in a row. He uh, was really, really impressive on top. Um, would like to see him finish his shots a little, a little more cleanly. Um, had that nice little uh, low single, and that, that swing single that he kept hitting. Um, the first time, I think it went to a stalemate. He, he couldn't finish, and then from there on out, he just kept going back to it and kept getting back to that leg. And then once he got on top, he was just an absolute hammer. He looked great on top. Really good on top, I thought. Just a, a really cool moment for Carpenter in his sophomore year. His um, first duel for Penn State. Um, obviously, then his first duel in Rec Hall. Just a really cool moment for somebody that I didn't necessarily even expect to get into a duel for Penn State. At least not a home duel. Yeah, really, really awesome experience for, for Carpenter. And, you know, we talk about it almost every episode here, Clay, and just speaks to Penn State's depth. It's pretty wild when you have um, guys coming out that are 
largely considered backups. Um, good guys to have in the room. And they come out and put up five points for you. That's just, it's pretty wild. Especially where Carpenter wasn't exactly highly touted coming out of high school. This was just a real testament to his workout partners and to uh, his work in practice in really showing up and putting in a special performance. <laughs> yeah, real real good showing there for George. He gets the tech ball, 15 points for Penn State, moves the score to 9 nothing. And we head to Jim Goulbon. Jimmy Goulbon, maybe with his, uh, I'd say his second best performance of the year behind the uh, behind the performance against Logan Everett of Army. Yeah, it was a solid performance by uh, Jimmy. I think it took him a little while to get the confidence, but you could kind of see after you get that second or third takedown that um, it almost flipped the switch like, okay, this is going to work, and I can keep going to this. And, I mean, he was pretty comfortable against Dylan Caruana of Binghamton, ended up with a 12-3 major decision and really was never threatened. Um, I would have liked to see him work his tilts a little more. We've seen Jimmy get some cheap tilts before, um, even if he's not working for the fall, but just kind of take guys over with those cheap tilts, those cross-wrist tilts, and maybe get the tech. But it's a work in progress, and we talked about, I I know you and I talked about why you wrestle a team like Binghamton, not to knock Binghamton, but um, they're not going to challenge Penn State much as a team. And I think part of that is getting guys' confidence and that could be a really big moment for uh, Jimmy Golubon going forward, especially going to Reno, which we'll talk about later. Every time you say cheap tilts, I think of the Sia song, Cheap Thrills, and I'm like, I love cheap tilts. Hey, I love them too if Jimmy Golubon's going to be racking up points. Let's go to 149. Speaking of songs, as Zane says in his, uh, his walk-up music, the train keeps on rolling, and uh, that's... That that's what Zane did. I just had this really cool revelation. Zane's gonna have his walkout music, and you could say he actually shot a man in Reno. And I'm super pumped for that this weekend. Maybe that's why Penn State's going to the tournament as champions. Oh, they probably won't play his music, will they? We we need to make that happen. I don't know who I have to they, call, but they did play it at NCAs last year. I don't know who I have to call, but I'm gonna get that to happen because Zane's gonna be in Reno and he's gonna shoot a man in Reno. But uh, back to Binghamton. We digress a little bit. Um, Zane put it on poor Parker Cropman of uh, Binghamton. Winner by fall, uh, 239, and he just kind of had his way with this poor kid. Yeah, 239 was really 2 minutes and 30 seconds longer than it had to be, to be brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of wonder what you say. I mean, as a wrestler, you, you try to go in with the utmost confidence saying, I'm going to put out my best performance and try to come out with a victory. But, I mean, do, what do you say when you know you, you're that far outclassed? I mean, oh, yeah. is it like, no. is it like, do, do you joke with your teammates? Like, how can I last this long against this guy that rips everybody's arm off? Yeah, I thought it was funny. Um, I thought it was funny. If you listen to the audio from the match, um, like, like the video, but like, if you listen to what, like, the background noise, you can hear the Binghamton coach saying, get one here, like, with, like, probably 45 seconds left in the period. Uh, like, as in, like, get a takedown. And, like, 
that'd be like telling like a three foot tall toddler like to dunk a basketball. Like, like Beckham <laughs> wasn't gonna get a takedown against Zane. He just wasn't gonna happen. It's very awkward because you. I mean, is it disingenuous from the coach so you know, like, okay, work your offense, but the coach isn't stupid. I mean, even from a subjective standpoint, you know what you're facing, so yeah, it's like, okay, work your offense, try to get to A, B, or C, but on the other hand, you're thinking, okay, don't get killed here. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and speaking of uh, people good at wrestling... Clay, this brings us to our favorite segment of the show. Uh, what did Jason Nolf do? Nolf by fall. Um, yes. Looking at 157 this year, and there's talk out there about JoJo Smith having some some weight issues. His name's um, not JoJo. His name's Joseph. <laughs> um, we'll see uh, what happens with him. Um, there's also, we, we've yet to see... Palacio from Cornell wrestle this year. Without those two, Jason Nolf might just tech his way through 157. I mean, he put it on, as I said with Zane. Uh, poor Tristan Reifenberg of Binghamton, winner by fall in 348, and he was looking for that near side cradle off of escapes pretty much from, hit it, though. from the hit jump. It, though. He, he didn't, but you could see, I mean, from, I mean, after after the first takedown, he immediately well, you wonder who kind else of pushed off to the now, side. And I, I forgot to mention this, but Suriano's starting to look for that, too. Yeah, and I, th- I think you see it. Um, yeah. Guys, he tried to hit it. It's, it's one of those, like, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, where you, where one guy does something and you see other guys start to do it. Um, we they, they kind of touched on this in an episode of uh, Flow Wrestling's podcast recently about uh, Darian Cruz hitting a, a magic stick for a takedown a couple of years ago, and then immediately, like, everyone else was trying to do that. So you see things with Nolf where you go, okay, how did he do that, and maybe I can try to do that. Although yeah. the problem Some is... Some of the stuff Nolf does don't try. He is um, often imitated, never duplicated. He comes with a "Don't try this at home" label, like uh, like an episode of like of Jackass on MTV. Yeah, you've seen that. Um, it reminds me of when I, when I was a kid, and even now, you watch um, the WWF or WWE things where it's like, yeah, these are paid actors doing this, this, and this. Please do not try that at home. Jason Nolf yeah. is an, an unpaid actor who does some really ridiculous stunts. Yeah, no, he's something. Uh, pins from bottom are always fun. He's just wild. You never know where he's going to come at you. Um, he works angles probably better than anybody in the college game right now. Um, Him and Snyder, I'd say. Snyder works. Snyder's a yeah, good angle. Worker. I mean, the, anytime you have a world champion, um, shout out Kyle Snyder. Olympic um, champion now. Olympic champion. Olympic champion, world champion. Um, anytime you have somebody like that, obviously, they're, they're wrestling at a very high level. But Jason's angles and level changes are... I mean, I struggle to find words for some of the things that he does. I actually don't find them to be that dissimilar wrestlers. I mean, I know they, their weight, weight difference is a lot, but Nolf and Snyder both kind of wrestle that same, like, well, especially Snyder and, and 
folk style against like lesser competition against and freestyle against different competition it's different for Snyder but against like bad kids well I don't want to see bad against kids that aren't as good as Kyle Snyder which in the world technically there are zero um he has that same like attitude he's like I know I'm just gonna take you down whenever I want like I'm just gonna play with you it's very he has that ankle pick where he changes levels for a guy that wrestles at 213 pounds um, at least in freestyle, he changes yeah. levels at a rate that you shouldn't be able to move that quickly at that size. I mean, all, all of a sudden he's from a collar tie to an ankle, and it feels like he didn't even move. And that's kind of how it is with Nolf, even though he's not working an ankle pick. He's in ties, and then, like, before you, I mean, if you blink, all of a sudden he's on your leg. Speaking of his weight, what do you think Snyder weighed last year against Gwiz? Against Quiz, probably about two twenty. I don't think he was too far above his freestyle really? weight. Oh, I thought it was more than that. I was thinking two thirty five, two forty. He was huge. I don't think he was dropping dropping twenty pounds to get back to freestyle. But he's just, I mean, he's a specimen. Well, I went to the weigh in before the match last year, and they didn't actually like weigh him in. Then they'd already weighed him in. I was disappointed. Yeah, uh, Snyder's just—he's uh, ridiculous. We talked about it with Nolf yeah, being in a lack for words. Um, yeah, Kyle Snyder's pretty special. He, 20, yeah. 20-year-old, 21-year-old Olympic champion. Something in the water over there. I'll never forget, though, him getting pinned his freshman year in NCAA has cost me a big pool, a big NCAA tournament pool, like hundreds of dollars. It all worked out for well. He was just uh, making that trade for an Olympic gold medal. Good point, good point. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, 165 after the intermission, which we, we took kind of there, our little intermission of our own, talking about Kyle Snyder. Uh, Redshirt freshman uh, Vincenzo Joseph, um, our boy Senzo, uh, with, a, with a good win, 10-5, kind of quiet, but as you said, he was struggling with illness a little bit last couple weeks, just getting his win back, and uh, I, mean, I mean, you can't complain about, you know, 10-5. Yeah, uh, Chenzo, uh, 10-5 victory over Vinny Dupre of Binghamton. Um, I would like to see him shoot a bit more in the third period, but as we talked about, he's coming off an illness, and you wonder how active he's been able to be in practice. Um, I'd like him. In the can, match, you know, how well, how well he's breathing in the match. He, he can be a, a volume shooter, and I'd like him to do that a little more. Um, that may come with more match time. It wasn't Chenzo's best performance, but Dupre is a, a pretty solid wrestler. Um, I'd like to see him finish his singles a, a little more cleanly and a little more quickly. Um, he had some issues with that this week. He also looks really, really big at 165. I don't know what you what you've noticed watching him, but I well, mean, I think he's wearing a pretty uh, tight singlet too. Around his chest and his like thighs, he's a Full grown 165, so it was a bit. I mean, had some issues last year making 157, and I don't know what he weighs by the time he actually gets on the mat. But he's like barrel chested at 165. Well, it's that that's a good thing because according to you and others, I'm not just like singling you or anything, like to make fun of you, but like you think that Mark Hall is going to be a 165 pounder for his career. So if if, if Senzo is handling 165 so well, then. Yeah, we he should be able to move up to one seventy four with no problem. Well, it's interesting because I don't know how much. I mean, he's not a super tall guy. 
my concern would be that from a muscle mass standpoint, like, he's already a pretty big dude. And I don't know how much more there is to pack on. Um, I don't think Hall, it'll be impossible for Hall to wrestle 174. I mean, he wrestled 170 in high school and dominated everybody. Um, but the biggest guy there, or the, the best guy there was Alex Marinelli, who's probably a career 165 for Iowa. Um, I think Hall probably, I mean, from a height standpoint, is probably better at 165, especially since he wrestles 163.3 in freestyle. But, um, It'll be interesting to see how that sorts out over time. But Tenzo is definitely yeah. a well-put-together young man. Speaking of 174-pounders, this week it was Gino Morelli, with, uh, who's been revealed to Shakur Rashid is struggling with an injury, uh, a kind of a minor injury. Um, but uh, Gino Morelli uh, got the start. And listen, Gino's no slouch himself, obviously. Because uh, Anthony Lombardo, 174. And Gino shows off that improved offense that we heard about all summer long. And he gets a 22 to 9 major with uh, 2 minutes, 7 seconds in riding time. Yeah, to get back to my uh, really casual speak, that was dope. Um, I did not expect that at all from Gino. I guess, like, I probably should have given how he's performed already this year. But I remember, like, watching Gino last year, even against opponents where you're like, okay, he's probably going to win this fairly comfortably thinking maybe it'll be like a 7-2 win where he gets a lot of riding time and just kind of hangs around. No, he was he was awesome. Um, I would really like to good. see him pick up the tech. He 22-9. It looked like he had the tech kind of insights after uh, two periods. I think he was up like 11 or 12 points after two periods. Um, so that was a bit disappointing, but he just kind of came out and was like, okay, I can get to my shot whenever I want. And finished cleanly well, and pretty much beasted. Um, I, it's Lombardo. tough for me to say that it was a rough third. I mean, I mean, in the third period he scored. Um, I mean, he scored three takedowns. I mean, that's or two takedowns. I mean, that's not a bad period, you know. No, it wasn't. Especially I mean, when the it, kids it, just trying not to get tacked. At all, it wasn't about a bad performance by Gino. I mean, no. Like I said, he was pretty fantastic. I just we have. Hey, our, our standards are as high as, as anybody. Oh, listen. And, well, and you, usually usually mine are the higher standards, too, when it comes to bonus points. So, Yeah, I think um, um, that was probably one of Gino's most impressive performances yeah. that we've seen I mean, from him. And that's, that includes close losses to very, very good wrestlers because we right. knew what he was able to do defensively. But that was just um, artistry, really, well, that brings me to my next point, too, is that like there are very few wrestlers at 174 – I'm really only thinking of one name in particular here where Gino Morelli is not going to be a tough out for him. Yeah, um, defensively, he's just, he's a, a hoss. Um, good head hands, doesn't get himself out of position, doesn't get himself off balance. And he's so um, much better at finishing shots this year <laughs> that he gets someone in a 1-1 match, a kid like uh, a Bo Jordan or something. Um, he gets him in a 1-1 match late in the match. Jordan gets a little impatient, maybe he doesn't take the best shot. And, you never uh, know. Yeah, and, yeah well, and, and, and this year uh, maybe Morelli can finish a counter. One seventy four is going to be interesting at the top. Um, you've got. Yeah, I think I think so, Imar's going to run away with it. You've got. Oh, he's a one sixty five. Um, no. Oh, it's right. My bad. One seventy four. My you apologies, got, everybody. You got Bojo at number one. Um, I think he can. We already seen that we, he can hang with Bojo. Um, Zach Epperly, I think he can hang with. 
Um, I think he might have issues, even though Valencia's had a bit of gasting issues. Yeah. I think Zahid Valencia's got some interesting offense that could cause him some problems. I think you could say the same for Real Buto, but 174's got about seven I or eight. I could see Valencia's quickness giving him some issues. And I apologize. That was a terrible mistake on Imar. I was just thinking uh, that was a terrible mistake. Really, then there's really no one I don't think he can stick with them. 174's got some. It's got about six or seven guys that I think kind of are in the same um, same little group. Right now, Flo has Alex Meyer ranked at six above Brian Robito, which I'm not sure I agree with. But right now, I, I have a group of Bojo, Epperly, Crutchmer. Valencia and Real Buto probably in that first little group of five, and from there on out, I think he can go with uh, Casey Kent's up there. Um, can be hot and cold, but it's a nice little group, and it definitely wouldn't wouldn't shock me to see uh, either Gino or Shakur kind of hitch their wagon to the end, the back half of that group, the back end of that group, and maybe get on the podium somewhere. Yeah, not at all, not at all. Yeah, uh, a, a good weight there for sure. Open weight. Let's go to 184. Bo Nickel, this is our only ranked bout of the match here, Clay. Against number 13, Steve, Steve Schneider. And Bo really showed his dominance here. 18-7, um, 2-5 in riding time. Really great performance here for Bo. Yeah, I think Bo, um, he didn't come out tentative. But come the third period, he when he was looking for the bonus, I think he realized that he could get to his shots whenever and didn't really have any concerns of getting countered. And I think after the match, you kind of saw in his expression that he was happy with what he got, but I think he realized he probably could have turned on the offense a little sooner. Put on put up 18 points, though. I mean, I can't can't complain too much about that. But um, well, now he's behind. Uh, now he, I mean, it, this is crazy. The guy starts off with seven straight pins or whatever it was to start the year, right? Like whatever it was, X amount of pins to start off the year. He gets one major decision, and now on the on the team for most dominant wrestler, he's in third. Yeah, um, that little group there of Rutherford, Nolf, and Nickel are putting up just pretty outrageous numbers. Um, and you you know, I mean, having seen those guys, that they're they're very competitive between each other, and that they know what's going on there. They're they're trying to get as much bonus as they possibly can. Um, but Bo looks like he's on a mission this year, and yeah, um, I think it's it's. Very nice to see. Not that he didn't last year, but you, you kind of see an, I don't know if it's an angry side or just a motivated side of Bo Nickel. But he, he goes out there and you look at the guy across from him and you have a legitimate concern for their safety when when he's locked in. Clay, question for you. A little, little segue here, a little, little off-topic. Not really off-topic, but looking ahead. Penn State needs... X amount of points, team points, from from um, Zane, Nolf, and Nickel to win the national championship. What do they need, or what do I think they're going to get? No, what do they need? What's the number? What's the magic number? If we're including bonus points, um... yeah, like like total team points, total team points. What are they giving us? Like in order for us to win the national championship, I think they probably need like fifty eight, fifty eight and a half, maybe. Oh, I was thinking. I was thinking seventy. Uh, no, I don't think they're going to need seventy. That, that, that's that's a lot of bonus there. That's three first place finishes. And I don't think it's unrealistic. I don't think it's unrealistic at all. That's what three first place finishes, which is is twenty twenty twenty, including advancement points. 
and then an extra 10 points of bonus. Yeah, I mean, uh, eh, let me, I guess, let I guess me look no. to see what they had last year. No, I mean, last year they had um, 50 and a half. Last year they had 68 and a half points, and that's with two seconds. Eh, I guess that's all right. Well, I still don't know that they're going to need even that much. I, I think that they may need, like like I said, 58 and a half close to 60, just because I think this lineup has, it, it's deeper. Um, I think you could well see maybe maybe more champions from them. They could, they I'm not saying they won't score more than that. I think that might just be all they need because I think you're going to get points from other weight classes that we didn't get points from last year, or at least not significant points. I don't know. I'm worried about. I'm worried. I'm worried about the depth of this team. But uh, I like your optimism. Hey, one of us has to be. And and and, and typically, you say you're the glass half empty guy. I just think this team's special. Um, I think there's a lot of depth. Um, a nice little segue here. I think uh, that's as evident as ever. Matt McCutcheon up at 197. Yes, Mighty Matt. Um, Speaking of depth, this was a guy that technically lost out on the spot at 184, um, moved out of, moved up to 197 out of necessity, and is now. I mean, if you look at Flo's rankings, Flo has him, I believe, is the number six overall guy in the country at 197. And if you listen to Christian Piles over at Flo, who does the rankings, he thinks that McCutcheon could move up as high as like three or four. Yeah. Yeah, let me find out when let me find out what he is ranked. And that's um I mean, we're gonna touch on this later. There's at least a feasible scenario where Matt McCutcheon isn't even the guy for Penn State at one ninety seven. Yes, time. Uh, our friend V Raptor, Velociraptor. Uh, <laughs> right Clay, that's his nickname. So so I was told this week. Um We'll touch on Anthony Gassar maybe coming back a bit later, but um, I think those two especially really touch on the depth of this team that wasn't there last year, where a guy can lose a spot, bump up, and all of a sudden be, I think, he, I, I don't see a way that Matt McCutcheon doesn't end up on the podium. I think that's a guarantee. I mean, if, if he's healthy. If he's healthy and he's the, he's the this, selection at, at This version of Matt McCutcheon? Is going is is on the podium. I just think he has more offense than almost anybody at that weight class. Not named Jaden Cox. Brett Farr looks pretty great for Minnesota, and then you have Colin Moore. I thought pretty looked pretty good for Jayden's, Ohio State. Listen, Jaden's beatable on his day, and I, I, now on on Jaden's good day, he he's also completely and totally unbeatable. But until until I see somebody beat him, which hasn't happened now for a year plus. Unless well, he lost him, last toss, year. Well, he tossed Phil Wellington into a table and lost. Um, <laughs> he went... <laughs> the most Jade Cox way to lose, you he, know? He, went, the table. he put Phil Wellington through the Spanish announce table and got disqualified. <laughs> um, but until I see somebody beat him actually on the mat rather than on the side of the mat because they just got powerbombed, um, I don't see anybody beating him, and then not There's to knock not, Matt, but I don't know that Matt's the guy to do it either. 
there's a not far like there's a not far off in the distant reality where his only loss in his college career is him throwing someone into a table. It's wouldn't I mean a couple of things would have to fall the right way, but yeah, it's that'd be pretty hilarious to have. To, <laughs> like to yeah, be, he tells a story. To, I was to, 158 and one. My only loss is because I threw a guy into a table. To not break Kale, Kale Sanderson's record because he decided to go. Like Kevin Nash, NWO, and Jackknife Powerbomb, somebody threw a table. <laughs> Gene is such a good kid, too. Like, I just think, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but, like. Props he, to Phil Wellington for finding a way to win. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Do what it takes. Um, but, yes, yeah, back to Matt. 9-1 um, decision over Mark Tracy of Binghamton. Moved the score. Another major decision moved the score to 40-0 right then. Um, and just incomplete control throughout that match. And he's kind of been that way for the last three, four weeks in his matches where... He's looked good. He's looked good. I mean, he's starting to get more comfortable taking shots. Um, he doesn't look as concerned that he's going to get caught under one of these bigger guys because, really, I mean, he's another guy that's kind of looks like he's get, not missing many meals. He's probably close to 197 right now. I don't know whether at his height, if he, I mean... He's so he's pretty lean. I don't know if his height he's gonna get to one ninety seven, but he's probably a good like if not one ninety four and one ninety five. We'll have to check on that one. Well, as I said, I saw him a couple weeks ago with a large plate of food, so I think he's eating well. Yeah, um, Mama McCutcheon is probably uh, gonna cook pretty well over over break if Matt Matt gets oh, yeah. a chance to head home. No, I'm sure he has some jealous teammates the way he's eating. Yeah, no kidding. Um, another guy's kids that can eat. Yeah, right. Nick Nevels. Um, I just want to add that I get a second chance to go back to back WWE wrestling uh, references because Nick Nevels continues to come off or come onto the mat to the Big Show's entrance music, which is still the greatest thing in college wrestling, um, uh, other than Nick Nevels himself. Zane's walk up music. But Neville's has been okay, like McCutcheon, where he started out well and has just progressed and progressed. He he put a whipping. He hurt poor Connor Calkins of Binghamton. Yeah, not great. Mm, not great for Connor Calkins. I mean, pretty great no, for yeah, Neville's. Yeah. No, not great for Connor Calkins. Also for the rec hall Matt, who was repeatedly slammed into by large men. Yeah, um, Nick Neville's was fantastic. Came up with the fall here, um, capped the match, made it forty-six nothing. The fall, um, second period, uh, three fifty-seven, I believe, was the time, and it kind of felt like Nick could have ended it whenever he wanted. Um, he's mean on top. I mean, that's a guy we we talk about Zane ripping guys' arms off. Uh, um, Nolf is a bit more creative, and Bo can be a bit more creative with his falls. Noel can be mean sometimes, too, though. Noel can Nick, be mean sometimes. Well, well with Neville's, it's, it's kind of like Zane where he just hulks up and just yanks you over, um, whether he's running that bar in half or he just kind of runs, runs a power half. But um, that bar in half that he runs is, is scary. I mean, I kind of wait for Nick Neville's to just start collecting arms like Ronda Rousey style where he just has a cabinet yeah. of them. Well, the thing is, too, that's a, that move, an equalizer, gets kids better than him. 
Well, and it's, it's not just a, it's, it's, it's one, a strength thing, but it's not just a strength thing. It's also a technique thing where he gets you going, I mean, I mean the right way and works that little bar up your back and you don't really have much of a choice but to go over if you want to keep your shoulder attached to your arm. Yeah, no, he's something else. Nick, he's slowly, uh, not even slowly, at this point, um, flying up his right way, flying up yeah, the rankings up, at, up at 285. Six flow. Six of flow, um, that's another guy, Mary, where we didn't necessarily, well, not even, didn't necessarily, we didn't have any depth last year with <laughs> Nick coming back from injury Poor and Jan. not being, not, not being really a shell of himself. Um, right now he's ranked behind Kyle Snyder at one, who we kind of all assume is going to stay at one. Connor Medbury at two, who looks to have distanced himself from kind of the rest of the field. Ty Walls at three, who I think is in his own little tier there. And then you have Mike Krells and Tanner Hall at four and five, and I he can beat those. Kids. I, I feel pretty comfortable that if Nick matched up with Krells and Hall right now, that Nick would be a slight favorite. And I I, I hesitate to put him in the category with Walls because of what all the Walls has done to this point, but I think he could get there by the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. I would oh, not yeah. be at all surprised uh, to watch that third place Nebels match. Has... No, yeah, between... yeah. I would Neville's not be has awesome middle. Neville's has middle middle mat Friday night potential, so to speak. Yeah, um, I would not at all be surprised to see that him in the semifinals, and then as we had just about touched on, that he and Ty Walls could be battling for that maybe that third place spot. Yeah, yeah, no. So he gets the pin at three fifty seven. Penn State finishes off forty five nothing. Clay hits the over under correctly at forty five and a half. Good job, Clay. Blind Squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Yes, Blind Squirrels do find nuts. Um, and so, yeah, that was that match. Um, before we get into uh, Reno, um, Penn State had some uh, facility upgrades done recently thanks to some wonderful rich people. Uh, <laughs> to, I mean, to be blunt. And, uh, Clay, tell us about the uh, facility upgrades at the Lorenzo Wrestling Complex. Yeah, Lorenzo's been under construction now for a little while. You couldn't go in the front entrance to get to the practice room. Had to get head to head in the side. Um, redid that front little tunnel area. I believe they have new photos up of all the champions, and I don't know if that includes all the All-Americans as well. But uh, some really, really nice-looking new, uh, new hot tub and a new cold tub with a Penn State logo above it. And it's just kind of keeping up with the Joneses as, as it goes in the wrestling world. Spencer Lee, you're missing out. You're missing out, Spencer. Hey, you're missing out on the world's best hot tubs and cold tubs. Yeah, Spencer. I hope. Listen, all I gotta say. I hope your girlfriend's worth it, Spencer. <laughs> I hope you marry her. To the happy couple. Yeah. No, I wish Spencer the best. I. It's kind of a theme in this podcast. You know, you, you gotta poke fun at Spencer, but. Uh, no, yeah. I mean. It can't get much better than, than Lorenzo Wrestling Complex. Yeah, um, one of the things that there was actually a tweet that went out this week from Nick Nevels talking about practice and how he put Coach um, Coach <laughs> Casey and and uh, Kale on on their back with an arms with an arm spin, and uh, to which uh, Casey replies, "Yeah, we don't count the practice reps there." And it just seems like those yeah. guys have have a lot of fun, kind of going back and forth. 
Um, oh, well, there's just... the photo last year from Kale of him, uh, a selfie while he was pinning Neville's. It's just a, a really good atmosphere for everyone to be involved with. Well, you uh, you just know that no, no team's having more fun than Penn State. Um, you know, and it's you know it's not just winning, but like like not only does Penn State win, but like they have so much fun too. Like I doubt, like I doubt anyone would beat us in dodgeball. I would second play a lot that. Of dodgeball, play a lot of dodgeball. Like I don't know, it just seems like our guys are having lots of fun. Like our guys get to eat. It seems like. It just seems like a really loose environment, and I think that really, I mean, you look at recruiting of late and how it's just taken it to an, a different level, and I think kids are kind of coming in and seeing, like, not only are they successful, which I th- Penn State's not the only place you can be successful. I don't think anybody's disillusioned no, yeah. with regards to that, but not only are they successful, but they're enjoying it, and not just competition, but day in, day out in the practice room. Yeah. Well, you know, there was that clip of from the from the um, f- football season on Snapchat of the wrestlers tailgating and them playing some basketball. Bo Nickel and Kale, of course. Bo Nickel took Coach Kale right to the rack. Yeah, I think it's like we kind of talked about. It's so loose, and I don't know whether it's it's a reflection of Kale Sanderson, who is very funny because he handles himself very professionally when he's coaching, so he can seem a bit uptight at times, but. Yeah. He's anything he's a fun but guy. he's just Coach Kale's a fun he's guy. He's somebody that you want to be around and he's he's a coach where he's, he's tough on these guys but when it's it's not time for business he's incredibly laid back. Well see there's a line too and you know this is getting a little away from wrestling but in my experience growing up playing sports the line that a coach has to have between that tough coach is a coach can be as tough as he needs to be as long as at the end of the day, the player or the players, in this case the wrestlers, know that that coach cares about them. Absolutely. And I think you see it. Um, a really good football equivalent right now, I think, would be Dabo Sweeney. Um, yeah. in terms, especially in terms of recruiting. You get guys where he's getting the results and he's tough on guys in games, but you see some of the media that comes out of there. Um, their digital media team does a fantastic job down at Clemson. But um, you see some of the videos that come out of how much those guys love being around that coach. And I think you see the same type of thing with Penn State Wrestling where they're not only successful, but they're enjoying the success together. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with that. Completely. I was going to say, like, it's kind of similar to what Coach Franklin's trying to build over at, 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 Lash, at Lash Football Building. Absolutely. And there was a really good um, article recently on Blue White Illustrated by – uh, Tim Owen, who covers both both football and wrestling, that talks about the relationship between Kale Sanderson and Coach Franklin. Well, Coach, um, Coach Franklin was in attendance on Sunday, and kind of talks about what they've taken away from each other. And I think it's it's really permeated through both programs, and you kind of see some of the things that they take away from each other. And it's really good to have an atmosphere at Penn State where the coaches can bounce things off of each other. And I think it's it's shown to to work very, very well to this point. Well, and it's not just those two having success. You know, it's Erica Walsh over at soccer. Obviously, you know, Russ Rose doing Russ Rose things. Um, Guy Godowski at hockey, uh, you know, over in fencing. I mean, uh, it's a good atmosphere, and all those coaches seem to get along and hang out. You know, as I said, you know, Coach Franklin was at the wrestling match on Sunday right in the front row with his daughter. Um uh, 
You know, it's a good atmosphere. It's just it's a, it's a good time to be a Penn State sports fan. It is. It is. Unless you are invested in Penn State basketball, in which case it's never good to be a Penn State sports fan. But that's not me, so uh, <laughs> I'm still happy. But uh, Penn State wrestling back in action uh, this upcoming weekend, huh? Yes, they're going out to Reno. Uh, as Clay said earlier, uh, Fitz Zane's walking music. I shot a man in Reno and watched him die. Um, first time for Penn State out there. Um, no Southern since Scuffle this year, which, will, which will, since 2009. Um, yes, Kale's first year. We crowned. We, I'm doing this off the top of my head right here, but I know it's right. We crowned two champs that year. We crowned um, Frank Molinero and then uh, Siler won as well. Dan Valmont finished second. Blast from the past. Wow. That was uh, quite the pull there. Um, Thank you. First time since 2009. Um, opting for Reno over the Southern Scuffle due to some scheduling conflicts, which we'll touch on over at Black Shoe Diaries in the future. Um, Penn State sending almost a full team. Uh, sounds like they're going to send, I believe, 13 wrestlers it is. Um, no Jared Cortez, who's missing due to injury. And Shakur Sheik will also miss due to injury. Um, you're going to see George Carpenter there. Um, why, wouldn't, why, why wouldn't we send the full 15? I believe the intent was to send the full 15 before those two wrestlers pulled out. So we can't replace them? I I don't know whether it's a not able to replace them or whether it's just a logistics issue. Because they're going to have to reseed the whole bracket anyways. You know what I mean? Well, they, they haven't seen I mean, it. Not, haven't. I mean, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying, like, theoretically, from the tournament's perspective, like, you're going to have to reseed the whole tournament anyways. Well, they haven't had the seeding meeting. They won't have the seeding meeting until the night before. Exa- well, that's even more reason, though, as to why we should be able to replace them. Yeah, I think I think they can replace them. I just think it's a matter of... We're just not going to send people. Yeah, that of, makes sense. Yeah, what they've done to this point. Um, we'll talk about this later well, with I mean, Mark Hall. Yeah. You said uh, Mark Hall's heading to Wilkes this weekend. But my belief is that Penn State will, will then send 13 wrestlers as opposed to the 15 that they had originally scheduled to go. That includes um, Suriano at 25, um, at 33. Carpenter. Carpenter, 41. Jimmy and Cade, probably, I would assume. J- yep, Jimmy and Cade, 49. We have Zane Rutherford and Gary Dinmore, I believe. Uh, Dinmore. Did Din- Dinmore deserves to go out there? By the way, 50, he's earned the right he, to make the trip. He's put in some really impressive performances at uh, open tournaments prior. Um, Fifty-seven, we're gonna have Jason Nolf. Sixty-five, you'll have Chento Joseph. Seventy-four, you're gonna have Gino. Eighty-four, you'll have Bo. Ninety-seven, we'll have Matt McCutcheon and Kellen Stout. And then at two eighty-five, you'll have the big guy, Nick Nevels. The big show. Um, yeah. So that completes our roster. We're going to put together a pretty comprehensive preview, which you can catch, um, I believe, Friday we're looking at for over at BlackShoeDiaries.com. We'll have a Reno preview ready for you. Um, anything specific about Reno that you want to talk about? Well, I mean, I think the big news out of Reno is that Oklahoma State is not sending their top guys, nor is Missouri, it sounds like, which is a real bummer. That's kind of I think, probably the reason that Kale scheduled this is because he was going to get to see some top teams here. Um, you know, because, I mean, if everyone says they're, uh, like, sends their big guns, it's not that bad, bad of a tournament with us, Stanford, you know, Oregon State got some kids. Wyoming, obviously, has got Bryce Meredith and some other kids who are not bad. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, Mizzou. Um, Cal Poly's not bad. Bakersfield's got some kids. Boise State's got some kids. 
So Arizona State's they, registered, and they're not sending most of their roster. Well, according to the according to the according to the match notes on Penn State, they're not coming. Oh, wow! That's they're not even, listed. They're not listed. That, that, that was that's even a change. It's just it's kind of been I mean, watered that could down. Be wrong. We'll water down a lot from what, what we yeah. were expecting, but it's also um, Reno the day before has a high school tournament. So yes, it's a, it's a good branding opportunity, a good recruiting opportunity for Penn State to get out west, where the talent's really growing. Especially if you head over one state to Arizona, or head over one state the other way to California. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I agree. And I mean, I, I like it's it sounds worse now than it did back then. Absolutely, um, and that's not really our fault. We we have some scheduling issues, which we'll touch on in, in a later article regarding the scuffle. Um, moved to Midlands, we're not sending anybody there. The intent was to send just Mark Hall. Um, Midlands told Mark Hall that they were full up on spots. That's the uh, first I've heard on the, of that up. one. Um, but it sounds like um, Kale is not particularly happy with that situation, so they won't be sending Mark to Midlands. Um, the intent is to send Mark then as an individual to the scuffle. Uh, we'll see how that materializes. We could see Kassar down there too. We could. Um, it sounds like Kassar is going to be – he's going live now, I believe, or drilling now. Yes. Um, That's what Kale said. No, we'll be, Kale said live wrestling. I assume that means you're on the mat, you're wrestling. Yep, going, so he's going live now and will be fully cleared for competition, I believe, after the new year, which, if that means January 1st, maybe the Southern Scuffle? Yeah, what a debut that'd be if you could go down and win that. Jeez. <laughs> no, no kidding. Um, so it's a really busy time for Penn State Wrestling. Um, Garrett, anything you want to touch on? I mean, you know, it's always good to be back in Rec Hall, uh, you know, enjoy the week. Penn not going to be back in Rec Hall for a while now. It's going to be almost a month. Yeah, um, interesting period, time period here. Uh, Rio Tournament of Champions um, getting to conference uh, seasons. They have a couple of away duels coming up, and then they've also got some time off with the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the holidays are fast approaching. Um, always tough for wrestlers to, you know, keep their weight in order. Yeah, never a, never a fun time over uh, the Thanksgiving, Christmas time for to be to be a wrestler. Um, yeah. But course, a really in, high school, you get, in high school, you get the allowance in PA. Yeah, you get a two-pound weight allowance. Uh, not yeah. so much not so much when you get to the college level. But um, I'm sure Penn State will have its guys uh, focused, and especially coming off of Reno and before some – some really big duels with on the road in Nebraska and Minnesota come the beginning of January. Um, there's so, some interesting times coming up for for Penn State wrestling this season. Yes. Oh, and last week I forgot to say this. I meant to say this last week. I wanted to give out a congratulations to uh, Ohio State uh, Bo Jordan on the birth of his uh, second kid. Uh, oh yeah. Um, we uh, congrats, Bo and that's that's a mea culpa on my on me. Um, Gave Bo some, some stick for missing the Arizona State duel. Apparently he was, one, dealing with injury, and then two, dealing um, with a very pregnant w- wife. With a, with a very pregnant wife and the mother of his child. So congratulations to Bo on the birth of his second child, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back in competition. Yeah. No hate. I, I think actually both of us kind of like Bo. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's been a really healthy competition between Bojo and Ohio State the last couple of years. And anytime um, you have more than one, more than one program, especially in this area, thriving, it's a, a good thing for wrestling, and it's a good thing for Penn State to ha- have somebody to kind of work towards. You know, there, there's a reason Ohio State didn't fluke their way into a national championship. I think no. um, they're pushing each other very well at this point. Absolutely, yeah. So again, congrats to Bojo on baby June, Clay. He named, uh, they named it June. His months are a little off, but we're working on it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, that's all I have, though. I just wanted to give the shout-out to Bojo because uh, we kind of threw him under the bus earlier in the season when, uh, yeah, uh, our bad on that. That's all we got. Um Interesting stuff coming up with Reno. Uh, be sure to check, yeah, out, check out the the preview. Uh, the preview over at BlackShoeDiaries.com. Over, um, it'll be over there on Friday. And uh, this is coming out. We'll be with you with a full recap either Sunday evening or Monday during the day. Yeah, and uh, and uh, check us out on Twitter, Clay. I would say uh, C Sourtig PSU, right? That's your handle. Yep. And then mine's at Real Garrett Carr. I assume we'll be tweeting our hot takes on Sunday from the tournament. Always am. We got to love those hot takes. Clay, quickly, where can they find the podcast? You can Other find the podcast at it right now. anywhere the podcast can be found, which includes iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and SoundCloud, as well as at Libsyn.com and at BlackShoeDiaries.com. And MattTalkOnline.com as well. Oh, absolutely. Shout out Mac Talk Online. Uh, yeah. A lot of this Jason wouldn't be Bryant. possible without the work of the good people over at Mac Talk. And when we say good people, we mean the ever hardworking Jason Bryant. Yes. It's 2.38 a.m. Clay and I are probably the only ones awake in the United States except for Jason. Yeah. Um, hardworking son of a gun. Yeah. And another quick shout out to Jason, too. Before this, Clay had been dealing with a loud noise on his laptop. Jason was taking the time out of his schedule to edit the podcast uh, for free for us to get rid of Clay's noise. We have that figured out now. But again, thanks, Jason, for doing that uh, for us. Shout out, JB, and shout out all the listeners, and uh, glad to be back on the air. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, uh, For those observing Hanukkah, right, Clay? Hanukkah's coming up soon. Actually, overlaps with Christmas this year, 24th through the 1st. Oh, really? Yep. Huh. I apologize. I was going to say, because usually around this time, I was going to say, you know, enjoy your uh, enjoy, enjoy your holidays. But, you know, it's Kyle Hodger coming up. Everyone, enjoy your holidays. Stay healthy and uh, take care. Happy holidays and peace out.